All right, so we began a discussion about the difference between the candles of the menorah and the candles of Shabbos and the candles of the temple. And in this discussion, we went back to last week's Torah portion where Yaakov says, I'm unworthy of your kindness, I'm unworthy of your truth. And we explained the meaning of kindness and truth according to Torah, according to Hasidus, kindness refers to yearning to be close to Hashem in prayer, and truth refers to the revelation of Hashem in Torah. And we pointed out a distinction between Torah and prayer, and that is that when you're praying to Hashem, you're, you're still a separate entity. You're still on the outside. And what's motivating your yearning is that you're only experiencing something and you want more. You're not connecting to Hashem's essence. Versus in Torah study, Torah study is a revelation of Hashem's essence. It's, that's why we call it truth. And just like there is this distinction intrinsically between Torah and prayer, yesterday we began learning about how this also has an impact on what Torah and prayer do, do to the world, respectively. We learned that when God gave us the Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu, after the giving of the Torah, was, he declared whenever the ark, when the, whenever the Jewish people traveled, the ark would travel in front of them, and Moshe Rabbeinu would declare, as we do, whenever we take out the Torah, which, by the way, the Rebbe said has a similar effect, whenever you take out the Torah, there's a similar effect to when the Jewish people traveled in the desert with the ark, and they, Moshe Rabbeinu declared, and when every time they traveled, may Hashem rise, may our enemies scatter, may our enemies run away. So just the presence of the ark caused this, um, this impact on our enemy. So in other words, th- this is the impact that Torah has on the world. Torah causes this, without, without there being any specific effort, just bringing the ark out to battle, that already caused the enemies to scatter. So this is very different to prayer, where prayer is, in the Zohar is called the time of battle, time of war, hand-to-hand combat, where you're grappling with the animal within you and trying to impart to the lower parts of your personality that Hashem is good and Hashem is kind and Hashem is life in a way that resonates. So this, um, this um, uh, distinction between Torah and prayer and how Torah gives us a peaceful victory over our enemies um, was even more pronounced in the time of King Solomon when it wasn't that he took the Ark of Hashem out to battle with him, but more, he stayed in Jerusalem with the Ark of Hashem, and yet um, nations came traveling to Jerusalem to give him taxes, and so there was an impact in a very peaceful way without him doing anything, and nations are, are being drawn to him, drawn, being drawn to Jerusalem. But even the time of King Solomon pales in comparison to the time of the coming of Mashiach, because in the time of King Solomon, yes, the nations of the world were drawn to him. Yes, the queen of Shva brought taxes to him. But the queen of Shva was still the queen of Shva, and she had her own kingdom. And she went back home. And she, she wasn't completely um, transformed to be part of... The, her kingdom wasn't transformed to be part of the kingdom of, of Shlomo HaMelech. But Mashiach will come. So it's totally different. Um, let's, let's read about the coming of Mashiach. Um, line number 10 on page... Um, Page 30. Mashiach will bring about the time when all the nations of the world will begin to serve Hashem. Not only will they come to Jerusalem, but everyone in their place will serve Hashem. They'll be transformed and all serve Hashem wherever they are. So now let's examine this 
in more detail. Mashiach is from both the seed of David, and from the seed of King Solomon. Why does Mashiach need to be the progeny of both King David and his son King Solomon? Because, on the surface, you'll think because, oh, well, King David was the father of King Solomon, and, well, but King David and King Solomon are individually connected to the energy of what Mashiach is about. Mashiach has to first fight the wars of Hashem and win. That's what King David is about. Which, of course, of Dom, the Rev Shafach, the Torah says that Hashem told King David, you cannot uh, build the temple because you have spilled a lot of blood. The temple is about peace and you have spilled a lot of blood, but that was what he was supposed to do. It just wasn't in sync with what the temple is about. So the, King David is about fighting the wars and so too Mashiach will fight wars. But after the victory of the Jewish people, after the victory of Mashiach, there will be the idea of peace. As it was in time of King Solomon, and the perfection of this will be that all the nations will be transformed to serve Hashem with clear speech and one consent. So that's how King David has both, Mashiach has both a Davidic aspect to him, fighting the wars of Hashem, and a Solomonic aspect to him that things will be peaceful after he wins. And nevertheless, although this perfection will only happen when Mashiach will come, and didn't, and didn't happen for sure um, before, even in the time of King Solomon, although the perfection of this will only be when Mashiach will come, but a taste of this already existed in the time when the temple stood. And we see this in this phenomena in the deepest and holiest part of the temple, in the Holy of Holies, that the Ark had a measurement, it was two and a half cubits wide and one and a half cubits long, and yet it did not take up space, as the Talmud says. It had a measurement and yet it didn't take up any space. You measure the room on both sides, and it was as if it wasn't there. What does that have to do with our subject? I know. Although the length of the ark, sorry, was two and a half amot long, and yet the ark does not take up space. Because Hashem, you cannot say about Hashem that there's something impossible for Him. It is impossible to say the word impossible about Hashem. So there could be this physical thing happening where the ark doesn't take up space at the same time that it has a measurement. That's only the way it was in the temple. So the temple had this unique phenomenon. Only in the temple, only in the Holy of Holies, was there this transformation of physical space. But in the rest of the world, there was not this transformation. The world remained the way it was. This revelation of godliness, which is beyond time, beyond space, beyond all limitation, didn't affect the rest of the world. Just in one tiny uh, space in the world was there this uh, revelation. So there was a credible revelation, but it was pigeonholed into the Holy of Holies. Only when Mashiach will come, will this be manifest in the entire world. And there will be nothing in the world that conceals godliness. What is the meaning of the coming of Mashiach as it is in the divine spheres and divine energies of Hashem? Next page, 
The difference will be like this. In time of King Solomon, the Svira Malchus will be elevated. The Eitz Chaim discusses seven ways that Malchus can be elevated. So Malchus will be elevated in in the sixth level, but the light will not shine in the seventh and lowest level of Malchus. There won't be, don't be an elevation in the lowest part of Malchus. In other words, there won't be an elevation in the physical world, the lowest level. But Mashiach will come, the seventh and lowest part of Malchus will be elevated. There will be revelation in the lowest, in Malchus of Malchus, in the lowest of the lowest divine energy. And although we just said before, yesterday, we learned that Shlomo HaMelech was a 15th generation from, from Avraham. And there's 15 in the Jewish calendar is significant. That's when there's a full moon. And we count our calendars according to the moon because the full light of the Jewish people is connected to the full light of the moon. We're, so, so Shlomo HaMelech, Kabbalistically, he's called the time when the moon was full, which means spiritually there's a full revelation of Galileans. Every sphera has ten parts. And in time of Shlomo Melech, it says in Kabbalah, there was a revelation in the five lower levels of Malchus, including Gamachus, Malchus, and Malchus, even the lowest level of Malchus. So, how can we say that the, what's unique about the coming of Mashiach is that there's going to be a revelation in the lowest part? Mashiach, in time of Shlomo Melech, there's also a revelation to the full light of the moon. The moon is, is the sphere. The reason why the moon is called Malchus, it's, it's I'm kind of standing in the space of what we learned yesterday, that Malchus is the power of speech. And just like our power of speech conveys our thoughts and our feelings, so too does the divine energy in Malchus convey the higher revelations of the spheres, just like the light of the moon conveys the light of the sun to us. We see the reflection of the sun in the moon. The moon doesn't have its own light. So, so Malchus is the, connected to the moon, and there's a full revelation of Malchus in time of Shom HaMelech, including the lowest level. So why are we saying that Mashiach is different, that's going to reach the lowest level? Time says about Shom HaMelech also, about the time of King Solomon as well, that there was a revelation in the five, five lowest levels. Connotations. There is two different ways Malchus of Malchus can exist. Um, let's say it this way. Malchus is speech, right? Malchus is actual, as, in, as, as uh, Dr. Breston, as we were discussing yesterday about the teacher and the student, the teacher wants to give the student something, and he, he's first motivated by kindness, then he, he he's, then he's, questions himself, can I give all this to the student, and it goes further and further until he actually gets to the words he's going to say, which is in Kabbalah, Malchus. Malchus is the words he's going to say. Malchus is already called Shetach HaMakabal, the area of the recipient. Okay, there's now the actual flow to the student. But in the flow of energy to the student, there are also two levels. There's the way the student is receiving from the teacher, and there's the way the student is by himself. There's the way the student is elevated to the teacher and say, what are you going to tell me, teacher? And there's the way the student is 
on his own as he leaves the teacher. There's malchus of malchus as it in as it's connected to your sight, and malchus of malchus as it is independent of your sight. Your sight is, is really yesterday when the father learns with the son, he bonds with his son. Not just he tells him words, but because he bonds with his son, the, the information has a whole different kind of energy. So there is the way the student bonds with his teacher as well. The teacher bonds with the student, and the student bonds with his teacher. That's not really the state of the student as he is organically. That's just it, it, this, the student isn't isn't um, isn't the way he is when he's in front. Isn't like it, it, the student has a um, different persona when he is far from his teacher than when he, he's in front of his teacher. He, he's different. Uh, this is how um, I once explained why Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't see what Yisro saw. Yisro right away realized Jewish people need to have more judges. How come Moshe didn't know that? So the short answer is that when Moshe looked at a Jew, the Jew was elevated. It wasn't just that Moshe saw what Yisro... It wasn't just that Moshe looked deeper into the Jew, but the Jew actually was in a different state when Moshe was looking at him. There was this... Um, the, I think it was the OK. Yeah, it was the OK. The OK was trying to make this, this restaurant in New York, kosher, one of the top um, non-kosher restaurants, and one of the issues was the wine. The wine, uh, the restaurant wanted to serve uh, different kinds of wine. And the question was, can you serve wine to someone who does not keep Shabbat yet? Does, does, or does this person who doesn't keep Shabbos have the same status as a non-Jew? If a non-Jew touches wine. So that, that discussion came up. It's interesting, a non-Chabad rabbi, the rabbi of Nitra, from that, another kosher agency which is also participating in this discussion, also giving a hechsher, giving a, a, authorizing this restaurant, he, one of the rabbis said this. One of the rabbis says, "Well, you know, the rabbi gave out wine to everybody, and the rabbi's wine that he gave out to everyone wasn't wasn't um, it wasn't mavushal, it wasn't cooked wine. The cooked wine cannot be um, even if a non-Jew touches it doesn't become non-kosher." So he said, "Well, if the rabbi gave out non-kosher wine, it should be good enough for us as well." So, so the, the, this rabbi of Nitra says, "You can't compare." He says, "The rabbi gives out wine to a Jew. The rabbi looks at a Jew. The Jew is in a different state. When the rabbi is looking at a Jew, he's not in the same state when he's so." Yes, there's divine energy that's been shining into the sphere of Malchus. Yes, there's a com- tremendous divine energy, yes. But it's all the way there is. It's not really reaching the lowest place. It's reaching the way the lowest divine energy is in a state of ascent connecting to the higher, to the higher uh, sphere above it, to the sphere of bonding, sphere of Yosef. However, Mashiach will come. There'll be the elevation, the lowest part of Malchus. There will be the revelation in the lowest part of Malchus, the way it is in its place, not the way it is bonding with a sphera, the divine energy above it. Rather, the revelation will go lower to the way Malchus is in its place. So you say Not only are we talking about the world of Atsilus. And the divine energy of Malchus as it is in its place in Atsilus. But in Malchus, as we learned yesterday, is God's speech. And God's speech animates the worlds below Malchus, the worlds of Ganeiden, the lower levels of Ganeiden, till this world, the world of Asiyah. There is the power of Hashem's hand in the creation. That will also experience revelation, not just the revelation in Malchus of Atsilus. Rather, the revelation will be in the physical world. Even the physical world will be, revealed, will be revealed. That with the word of Hashem's, with the word of Hashem, the heavens were created. The creations themselves will feel how Hashem is causing them to exist. 
That means there will be a revelation of Hashem in the world, the way the world is a world. As a verse says, the glory of Hashem will be revealed and all flesh will see together that the mouth of Hashem is speaking. What that means is not that we'll just hear the words of Hashem, but we'll see the word of Hashem in the physical. Even in our physical flesh. Not just our, not, we'll see the physical, godly energy within the world, within the physical, within the physical flesh as well, but everyone once explained, our physical flesh will see it too. Not just our eyes will see it, but even our body will somehow see Hashem's presence. Even our physical flesh will be a full revelation of Hashem's, Hashem's words. Mashiach will come even more. The body will nourish the soul. Will there be an elevation of the physical to such an extent that not only will we see the word of Hashem in the physical, but the body will nourish the soul. And this is the meaning of the verse that was on the on the shield of the Maccabim. Who is like you among the mighty Hashem? We ask a question about this verse. What does this verse have to do with the content of, of Maccabee? We said Maccabee also is numerically equivalent to the word kindness. What's going on? What does this verse have to do with anything? The Hinein is we learned early, earlier on that this verse has two meanings. Who is like you among the mighty Hashem? And also it means who is like you among the silent Hashem. Elim can mean mighty and Elim can mean silent. So now we're going to explain what those two um, phrases refer to. Who is like you among the mighty? This is referring to the tremendous light that was in the world of chaos. The lights of, of the world that preceded the world of Atsilas. The world that exploded because the, the light was too... Um, Big, tremendous for the vessels to hold on to. And the world of perfection, the world of Atsilus, is a world where the lights are smaller and the vessels are bigger. But before that, there was a world of chaos where the lights were too great for the vessels to contain. That's what that verse refers to. It refers to that, the, the divine energy in that world. The world where that has this, the virtue of having tremendous, tremendous light. Then there's another translation. Who is like among the silent? Hashem is called the silent one. The godliness is hidden. We don't feel that Hashem created the heaven with His words. And that's the meaning of the verse. Who is like you? Among the Elam Hashem. That this, again, this word has two translations. What this means is, that even in the place of the silence, even in this physical world, where Hashem's light is hidden, there will be the revelation of the, of the powerful revelation of the lights of Tayu. The tremendous revelation of godliness in the world of Tayu will reach the physical world that, that is called the place of silence, the place we don't feel godliness. That's the, tr- that's the connection to these two, these, two, these two translations of the verse. Who is like you among the mighty? Who is like you among the silent? That the, your mightiness, your, tr- your infinite light, will reach the place of silence, a place where we don't feel your presence. And that's the meaning of the verse. Uh, that's the meaning of the concept that, that Hashem is Elohim. Hashem, that Hashem and Elohim become one. That even Hashem is the name of Hashem, which is about revelation. Elohim is the name of Hashem, which is about concealment. 
So in, in the context of our discussion, Hashem is about the power, and Elohim is about the silence. And there will be the convergence of Hashem and Elohim that in the place of consumption, there will be the revelation of the infinite light of Hashem. And more, there will be, Havaya will be Elohim. What does it mean Havaya will be Elohim? Okay, so, Havai means revelation. Elohim means concealment. Well, what is considered a revelation? What is considered a concealment? It says in Hasidus, that in order for the world to be able to handle the light of Hashem, there has to be a concealment. Just like the sun has a nartik, the sun has, as Hasidus says, a sheath around the sun to filter the light so the world can receive it, so to Hashem's infinite light also needs to have something to filter it so the world can receive it. So Elohim is not just um, silence, not just a, a state of, of confusion where you don't feel Hashem's presence. Elohim is a necessary thing for the world to, re- to receive the higher revelation of Hashem's animating power of Avaya. We need to have Elohim for the world to exist. There needs, needs to be Hashem's Gvura for us to get the Chesed. We say in Davening, Hashem is called Akel HaGod Gibber. Godel, the great one, Hagibur, the mighty one. Godel refers to Hashem's power to create. And Giber, which is Hashem's kindness. And Giber refers to Hashem's power to hide himself. And we need Hashem to hide himself for the world to exist. Okay. But, but we're talking about that something new happens. That the greatness of Hashem is revealed in the physical world. So what's you, what was before concealed by the name of Elohim will now be revealed that the Yud Kei which was before hidden, that Mashiach will come, will be, will be possible for this higher revelation to be in the physical world and the world to still, to still exist. But then something more happens. We're calling Elohim concealment because it filters the light of Havaya. But Havaya is also a filter. Havaya, the animating energy in creation, the source of the divine energy that is filtered by Shem Elohim, the sun itself that is filtered by its sheath in this analogy, is also not the highest kind of revelation. What's unique about the coming of Mashiach is there'll be, such a, there'll be a higher revelation of godliness that compared to this higher revelation will be called today revelation, will be called today Havaya, will be called Elohim. Havaya li Elohim. What was before considered Havaya, what was before considered revelation, Mashiach will come and be ah, that's nothing. That's Elohim, that's not the real revelation. So not only will we see in Elohim, in the place of consumption, we'll see Havaya, but more that compared to the revelation that will happen, Mashiach will come, this, there is a, um, the, this revelation that we're talking about that is now filtered by the name of Elohim is, won't be considered a revelation at all. It will be considered, it will be considered a, a concealment. And how do we accomplish this in Elzeh? That's the, the meaning of the other acronym of the word Maccabee, Blessed be the glory of Hashem from His place. From the from blessed be the glory of Hashem, which we learned the word "bless" also means means to draw down that the godliness should be drawn down from its very source. That when things come from the essence of Hashem, so there's no limitation. Hashem Himself has no parameters, no limitation, no definition. So when something is drawn down from His very essence, it reaches the lowest of places. So this is the meaning of the, the, the connection between these two verses. Mika Moicha Be'elam Hashem means that in the, who is like you among the silent Hashem, and also means who is like you among the mighty Hashem. So we explain, what does that mean? Who is like you among the mighty means, we're talking about the 
the incredible revelation of the world of chaos. Who is like you among the silent Hashem? That means that where this tremendous revelation will be, will, 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 will it be manifest? We manifest in the place of silence in this physical world, in this place of silence, in the, in the place of concealment, in the, in the place where it feels like Hashem is silent. That's where the powerful revelation will happen. And why will it happen? Look, the other acronym of the word Maccabee, Baruch because the divine revelation when Mashiach will come will come from Hashem's essence, and because it will come from Hashem's essence, therefore it will reach the lowest of places, and it will be such a great revelation that compared to this revelation, what we consider today to be a revelation will be considered a concealment. Because it's coming from the essence of Hashem, therefore it will reach, Hashem has no parameters, no, no limitations, therefore it will reach not just Malchus, the way it is connecting to its source, but Malchus of Malchus, and not just Malchus of Malchus, but the way it reaches to Bria, Yitzira, Asiya, in this physical world that we'll not just uh, believe, but we'll see Hashem's presence in the physical world of Kayach HaPel Banifal. Which you see it happen, take it from your mamash. L'chaim. Today was the day of victory. We should see a big day of victory.